Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. Welcome back to the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. My name is Nick Hill. I am a mortgage agent partner at Land Bank Advisors and lucky enough to be co-hosting this show with Daniel Foch. Dan, what's going on, man? Yeah, not much. Interesting real estate market right now. I feel like it's really, really slow. I feel like there's definitely some blood in the water. I feel like a lot of people are trying to capitalize on that but it's just not moving at the pace that it needs to for for a lot of folks. I think the number of listings in Canada or in Ontario is like up like 60% in active listings compared to a year prior. So like supply, the, the supply shortage issue that was kind of blamed for keeping prices up, but also like, you know, a problem for a lot of people seems to have gone away. But we've, now there's- We've traded that issue for a bucket of other issues now. Yeah. Yeah, so we're in a buyer's market with very few buyers. I, I mean, I was in, in Wall Street Journal about this. Mm. And what was the quote? It's bad. It's bad. By Daniel Fox. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Man, so. a few words here, but we're going to get you talking a bit more today because we've got a great topic. We are going to be talking about where are the affordable homes in Canada? And uh, some of them you might be able to guess if you've been listening to this show, and some of them may surprise you. But before we do that, Dan, course, merch, all the good stuff. We've got meetups coming up. Yeah, so the course is, I mean, we just did an episode on it. Realistic. It's, yeah, it's moving along. Our goal is to make it realistic. We want it, we won't, we, I think that a lot of people have said that, you know, we've, kind of created this thing in the market where we're very, very honest and we don't sugarcoat things and we just want to create an investing system that's reflective of that. And so that's what we did. And we did it with the help of our students who are all listeners to this podcast and we couldn't thank them enough. So we'd really appreciate it if you check it out. I, I'm I'm actually very proud of what we built. It's just like, it's it's special. Like that what, what everyone has done to help us make it into something that will continue to add value for more and more students. There's a couple of new things that we're introducing, like the expert panel. Yeah. Yeah, we took we really took the FUBU mentality for us by us with uh, with yeah. this one. It's um this is stuff that we wish we had when we were on the come up, and all the things that we've learned and all the questions that we've gotten over the years have been compiled into this one course. And it's really about more of the course; it's more about the community as well. And we want it to be the biggest and baddest community in the country. And, the and baddest. I, think, I think we'll get there and baddest, obviously, in, in the good. Cool Listen to way. too much Rihanna. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it, Dan. What are we talking about today? Today we're going to be talking about affordability uh, across the country in Canada and what income you need in each province to and city to afford a home. Because from my perspective, the only thing that the only time in which uh, people will start buying houses again is when they can afford them. And right now- Makes sense. Yeah, I don't know, it's rocket sense. science, yeah. right? Yeah. So before we do that, what does affordability even mean? Can I get an dictionary on that? Of course. No, I mean, affordability, it has a definition. It, it shouldn't be a static, changing, fluid no, thing, it's true. right? Like it should, but apparently in Canada it is. And affordability is the quality of being inexpensive. The adjective affordability describes things that you can afford to pay for because- they don't cost too much, cheaply enough that people can afford to buy it or pay for it. But it's funny, Dan, when I Googled affordability definition, 
I'm not sure if it's because my IP address is here in Canada, but all the definition examples that it provides you, like use it in the sentence, they were all housing related. And I'm not even kidding. It was like affordability priced apartments or they arrived at the conclusion by comparing the affordability of houses with average historical levels. So even the internet in Canada is obsessed with housing. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> they know, they, if anybody knows what, what we value, it would be Google, right? So so before we get into this, let's do a quick refresher on things. Statistics Canada releases new information each year on the annual income in Canada. And the latest information shows that the median household income in the country is $68,400. And the national average house price is around $650,000, $660,000. And that's from October of 2023. So just shy of 10x that. Yeah. Are lenders much. giving out mortgages at 10x income these days? They don't traditionally do that. Yeah. It's not not in the uh, scope of things that they like to do. <laughs> okay, fair. So back to that affordability. In the 1980s, the CMHC, Canada Housing and Mortgage Corporation, adopted a shelter to cost income ra- ratio that recommends occupants spend no more than 30% not of their gross 10X. monthly income on housing. The metric determines housing affordability and anything above the 30% threshold is deemed unaffordable. Hmm. Okay, well, there we have it. That confuses the definition of affordability already. So, Dan, before we go into specifics, let's go kind of province for province. Look at this amazing chart by rates.ca who's put some some data together. So there's several different columns. We've got city slash province here, which you and I will just kind of go one for one. We'll go average income, average home price, max purchase price, tied to that average income. The next column is the difference between the max purchase price and the average home price. And then the final column is the percentage average home price above the maximum purchase price. So I'll start things off here, Dan. Canada as the country, the average income is 79,876. The average home price is 757,000. The max purchase price is $315,000 based off of that average income. So the difference between the max purchase price and the average home price is $442,000 with a percentage difference of 141%. So, I mean, a difference of $442,000, that's like a whole nother home right there. Yeah. So starting, I guess we're going east to west here, St. John's, Newfoundland, Labrador, average income, just shy of eighty thousand. Average home price three hundred thirty-two thousand. Max purchase price for that income is three hundred ten thousand. So the difference is twenty-two thousand five hundred. Just seven percent above the max uh, affordability for the average not, person. Not, not crazy. It's not too I bad. Guess. Yeah. Halifax seventy-six thousand average income, five hundred forty thousand dollars average home price. The difference between the max purchase price and what you should be spending is two hundred seventy-five thousand. Or sorry, that that is the the max purchase price is two hundred seventy-five thousand, which equals a difference of nineteen thousand. Going over to St. John, New Brunswick, seventy-one thousand one hundred twenty-two would be the average income. Two hundred ninety-four thousand house average house price. 275000 is what you could qualify for. So the difference is 7% higher. So very similar to St. John's. Quebec, 71000 income. Average home price, 340000 So your max purchase price off of 71000 is 278 which leaves a delta of 62000 and a 22% gap in the average home price above your max purchase price. Montreal, 
71,000 income. So same income in Quebec, I guess they're using a provincial. The difference is $245,000. So 88% increase where, so houses in, in Montreal are 523,000 as opposed to 340,000 in Quebec. And the capital looks like people are making a bit more money there because we've got the uh, average income at 91000 the average home price at 652000 You should be buying a house for 370000 but there's a massive delta between the average home price and the max purchase price, $282,000, which equals 76%. And Toronto, the other major city in Ontario is i think this is this one the record no vancouver beats it of course uh so he's not <laughs> ninety three thousand. this is the interesting part right so ninety three thousand, only two thousand dollars a year more on the average annual income when compared to ottawa yet the houses are 1.1 million on average compared to that six hundred fifty two thousand. so that's seven hundred eighteen thousand dollars above the four hundred forty thousand dollar max purchase price that a torontonian should be able to afford based yeah. on this criteria or 162 percent above Hamilton, Toronto's little neighbor, $87,000 average income, $880,000 average home price. The max purchase price that you should be aiming for is $350,000, which is a $530,000 delta, 152% above what you should be purchasing. Winnipeg, things starting to get normal again. $78,000 income, $346,000 house, $39,000 above the $307,000 qualifying max purchase price. So just 13% over, let's call it 13% unaffordable. Yeah. Okay. I like that. And uh, if we're going off that, Saskatoon is only 11% unaffordable because the average income there is 84000 The average home price is 376000 your max purchase price is 338 so you're really only $38,600 off of what you should be spending on a house, making it 11% unaffordable. Calgary, while far more affordable than its comparative big cities in Canada, 43% unaffordable at a 95% or sorry, $95,000 income, which is higher than highest, I think it's the highest of the big it's cities. the highest in all of Canada right yeah. there. This is actually interesting because, you know, like when MLI select, uh, CMHC MLI select uses affordability to do their affordability calculations, they use this percentage of household mm-hmm. income as a rent. And so Calgary, you can do exceptionally well on, you can qualify well on MLI select affordability points because you can get I think their affordability, affordable unit is like 1400 bucks a month, yeah. right? So, whereas in like, I don't know, we've looked at MLI for like cities like Cornwall or Sudbury and it's like $600 a month based on that city's mm-hmm. income, right? So mm-hmm. that's where like the average household income is of, of value. And from, so, so that income would allow the average person to qualify for a max purchase price of $385,000, which is $165,000 less than the average home price of $550,000. So a 43% gap. The last two here, Dan, are, are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. One, one is yeah. an absolute winner. Well, and, it's the only it's the only one that's not yeah. unaffordable. And then, the, and then the final one is, the is literally the absolute worst. Okay, so I get to do the fun one here. Edmonton, ninety one thousand nine hundred and twelve dollars, which is basically the exact same salary as uh, average income as Ottawa, and only two thousand dollars less than two thousand dollars than Toronto. Average home price three hundred and seventy thousand dollars, and Oh, sorry. This is average home price, $370,100. And your max purchase price, $370,000. 
So it's $100 off of the affordability coming in at a 0%. So guess what? You're a keg steak dinner away from affordable <laughs> and, home ownership. And I can't sacrifice a keg steak dinner. Come on. Did you get the prime, Billy Minor Pie? I'm a prime rib guy. And I, of course I get the pie. Did you know you get a, a full, buy a full Billy Minor Pie? I'm going to ball out and do that at a birthday party next. Well, there goes your affordability for moving I to Edmonton. Know. Yeah, 60 um, bucks, I think, so I could still afford it. There you go. Okay, so Edmonton is the only affordable market out of this chart right here. Yeah, now, Dan, finish this off with by far the least and, and honestly ridiculous, ridiculously less affordable market. Yeah, classically Vancouver, 86988 average income, $1.21 million average Jeez. home price. Max purchase price based on the income would be $411,000. So it's just $800,000 undervalued, <laughs> or sorry, over overvalued <laughs> or over, over affordability target. Or as a percentage, 195%. So almost three times the house price. So anyway, I think that it's a good reflection. I, and I like to look at affordability because I think it shows whether or not a market like is going to be where these markets are unaffordable. On on average, the people, the, like, the average people are not going to be able to, to exist there anymore mm-hmm. or they have to go into the rental pool, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of different ways to think about it as an investor, but in, in the grand scheme of things, and there was just this article in Vancouver that, or that came out that people are getting evicted in Vancouver with incomes of like $100,000 and can't afford to go get rent. Well, well, on that note, just, I mean, I know that New York is no comparison to, to anything we've got here, but an average, the $100,000 salary in New York is equivalent to thirty-three dollars to $37,000 elsewhere in America. And I'm right. assuming there's some kind of similar metric for Vancouver. It, it must be. It must be true for Vancouver and yeah. Toronto. Like, you know, you hear, and you don't, you don't hear as much about these huge affordability woes in cities like St. John or even cities like, like Halifax, as you do in cities like Toronto and Vancouver. I mean, people are really suffering in these markets. Right. And so, you know, as, as a, like, and it's just, everyone's living at the margin. Right. Mm. So as a investor who's renting to the, those individuals, it's a lot more likely that in a recessionary environment that things can go wrong. Like the, yep. the Canadian government just came out in their fall economic statement and said that they expect unemployment to hit 6.5%, right? So something to look forward to. Yeah, so anyway, they so they looked at Canada's uh, latest available data for median household after-tax income and factored in income growth projections for 2023 and got the average home price from Korea's MLS Composite Index. And they looked at both insured and uninsured mortgages. Yeah, so just a reminder, an insured mortgage is mortgage backed by one of the three major mortgage insurers in Canada, which of course is CMHC. Sagan, which was formerly Gemworth, and then Canada Guarantee. And this is because there is a higher risk associated with lending beyond that 80% of the property value. Any home purchased in Canada with less than 20% down is required by Offsea to be insured by one of those three insurers. Obviously, there's only three of them because we like oligopolies here, Dan. Yeah, big oligopolistic market. So with an insured mortgage which is a down payment of between 5 and 19.99%, which I have no idea why anyone would ever put 19.99% down. The borrower was responsible for paying that insurance premium, which is added into the cost of your mortgage. And then on the uninsured side, simply put that same mortgage that does not need to be insured because your down payment is more than 
twenty percent, probably twenty point nine nine percent of. <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, the the insurance really exists because if you have a low down payment, then it's considered financially risky, and so the banks, by law, have to be insured to lend money at that high of a loan to value. So back to affordability. This is how Rates.ca calculated affordability with these numbers using mortgage calculations for insured mortgages, and they're based on the following. So they used a five-year insured fixed mortgage at 5.3% with a qualifying rate of 7.3% on a 25-year amortization. That's because of the stress test, by the way. So yeah. Like, yeah. And we've done full episodes on yeah. that, so go back and check that so out. That's, so you, well, just quick illustration. So you're buying with a 5.29% rate. You have to do that rate plus two. That's your stress test, yeah. plus 2%. And that you're qualifying at the plus 2% rate. They also, for the uh, purpose of this exercise, put $3,000 a year in property taxes, $100 per month for heating. We excluded condo fees, no monthly other liabilities, and an Equifax credit score of about 680. So just a reminder, credit scores from between 580 and 669 are considered fair. 670 to 739 are considered good. 740 to 799 are considered very good. And 800 and up are considered Excellent. So in this theoretical experiment here, they used a good credit score and the mortgage amounts did not include any default insurance premiums. And then they used the same factors for uninsured mortgages. But of course, that there was 20% down in that case. Yeah. So maybe let's dive it a little deeper into some of these cities here. So we start off with Edmonton, go Calgary, Toronto, Vancouver, and Halifax, maybe. Yeah. Try and uh, we do these to win points with the audience coast to coast, right? Or yeah, that's it. So Edmonton population, current metro population, they just broke uh, a million in the in the core area, I mm-hmm. think. But the current in, um, metropolitan area, so the whole area around it, I think both Edmonton and was it Ottawa? Two cities in Canada both broke a million. The greater recently. Edmonton yeah. area, if you will. Yeah. So the it's 1.544 million, which was a 1.65% increase from uh, 2022, which is worth noting. We always talk about magnitude of growth of cities rather than like everybody wants to just talk about the sheer number. So it's like, oh, well, Toronto grew by so many people, but it doesn't matter if the if Toronto's already big, right? And so the percentage is a lot smaller than a city like Edmonton where exactly. they're seeing 1.65%. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have 500 people come into a town of 1,500, that's going to have a massive impact than 500 more people moving into a neighborhood in Toronto. Yeah. So the median household income is $91,000, maximum insured mortgage, $351,500, purchase price, maximum insured purchase price, $370,000, and the average home price, again, was just $100 more than that. Love that. So the average home price is just enough for someone to afford a home in Edmonton. Taylor Party, an an economist with uh, CMHC, highlights a few factors that have contributed to more accessible housing in Edmonton. Namely, new construction has been more responsive to change in demand. Home builders are able to keep up with that demand. And lastly, slowed economic activity over the past few years. I quote, following the significant decline in oil and gas prices between 2015 and 2019, economic activity in Edmonton and Calgary moderated a fair bit. Taylor Party says this has allowed the housing supply to catch up and maintain the ample supply for much of the past decade, leading to flat or even declining prices in certain segments of the housing market. So we know this Edmonton is the clear winner by the data here. Zero percent home price above max purchase price and a hundred dollar difference between the average home price and the max purchase price. Dan, you and I have been 
fans of Edmonton for a while. Mm-hmm. We hosted an event there. We were there not so long ago. Probably time to go back sometime this year. Yeah. Great city. I was super impressed. It was cold. It's cold. Yeah, I mean, we went in winter, so, you know, I'm yeah. sure it's not cold like, in the summer. It, yeah, I mean, well, I think, like, the fact that we... It's so fascinating to me, right? Like, everybody... So Canada's among the most popular places in the world for people to want to move, and everyone knows that it's cold here. Like, you... you That's what we're known for. Yeah, and... and you know, maybe they show up and they're like, okay, yeah, it's a little bit colder than I expected. And nothing is preventing them from, from returning home. And so to me, it's fascinating because like, we always like want to say, and when you talk about Edmonton, you know, like everyone's like, oh yeah, like it's, it's just so cold. Like nobody's going to go there. It's like, well, we've already proven that, you know, people who live in much more temperate climates are okay to move. They, they want everything that Canada offers enough to move to Canada in general, knowing that it's cold. And, and so I would imagine like, you know, saying that certain areas are colder than others isn't i just don't know if it's like you know the weather's going to be that big of a push or pull yeah that's so that's that would be my thought there i mean i'm sure i'm sure it is for some but uh you know if it if it matters if it makes the difference in in you being able to get a house start a family maybe invest in some property you know it really just comes down to what's what's important for you so yeah and i think a lot of people value affordability like i think most like when you, you think about okay like what's like the beyond cold like what's a really real reason why you might not want like a long winter okay i like you know you get seasonal effects disorder you feel a little bit depressed like yeah sad and it's you know it's it's overcast well it's overcast in vancouver too well and and guess what vancouver is the nicest climate in i think uh, it's calgary has the most sunshine i believe but but vancouver is you know i think there barely snows in vancouver you see the videos of it the snowfall there's people like like it's like when it snows in texas yeah Yeah. there's people like literally like fighting over bags of of salt and and, like they don't know how to do it and there's buses sliding all over the hills and everything but guess what the average price in vancouver is like 10 times as much as the average price in edmonton so are you willing to pay that for it's not like you're living in, in palm beach in vancouver you're still dealing with you know canadian climate right i mean there's palm trees which is which is awesome but yeah so the question is like does the impact of seasonal effects disorder outweigh the financial effects disorder so here's what you do you You move to kel or you move to edmonton you save all that money that you would otherwise be spending on your mortgage payments or and your down payment and you go away for a couple months in the winter. Yeah, whenever I'm in like in Palm Springs, it's there's tons of people from Edmonton. They just go down there. It's a they just have a ton of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just come down here for the winter. And everyone in like, Toronto, Vancouver is like, I hate this. I got to get out of here, but yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't. Too broke. Still on the hamster wheel. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's it. That's really what it is, right? Let's move south here a little bit, Dan. I don't mean south to back to Palm Beach or anything, but south to Calgary. Population of Calgary is now just over 1.64 million, and that's grown 1.8% from last year. That kind of bigger metropolitan area encompasses the city of Calgary as well as you know the surrounding bedroom communities such as Airdrie, Chestmere, and Cochrane. Cochrane, come on. There we go. Thank you. I knew it as soon as I said it. I'm, I apologize to everyone out there. I hope they'll forgive you. They probably won't. I, we I'm do st- get ripped for mispronunciation. At least you're not. like we. Just, as long as we keep you out of the, the francophone names, you, yeah, you should be okay. I think we've lost some Quebec listeners uh, for what I've done to them over there. Medium household income, 95194 Maximum insured mortgage is 365750 Purchase max purchase price is three hundred eighty-five thousand, and the average home price is five hundred fifty thousand seven hundred dollars. So, three hundred kilometers south of Edmonton, the average 
home price in Calgary is 43% more than what the average household can afford. So big difference. And and while Alberta is overall generally considered more affordable in, than Ontario and BC, Stampede City has seen heavier, heavier interprovincial migration and international migration in the past few months, resulting in a rise in the cost of housing. Stampede City. Come on you know, now, baby. I, po- I posted that chart and I think I've talked about it on the, um, on the pod here, but of like provincial outflows from Ontario and how they mm-hmm. are good yeah. at predicting recession because things get too affordable or t- too inflationary, too unaffordable and people leave Ontario. The opposite is true for Calgary. So inflows into into Alberta and th- this actually came from the Alberta government. Stop um, moving here. Yeah, yeah. You're messing things up. Yeah. So it was like inflows in people moving into Calgary, chasing affordability, chasing jobs, chasing that robust, you know, usually, usually run up to a recession is coupled by a run up in oil prices. Right. And so Anyway, just something to some phenomena that's worth thinking about here. And if you want more info on the interprovincial migration stuff, go look at the U-Haul index, one of our very favorite things and, and cool yeah. metrics to cover. Actually, Stackin has an amazing tool on it as well. Like yeah. we can literally just see who's going uh, where. Yeah. And so, so Calgary's really has this emerging rep, rep, reputation as a high tech hub, which I think is good because they're trying to diversify out of you know exclusively oil and gas space mm-hmm. um, and, and decouple a little bit from being like kind of grouped in as that that pre-recession kind of you know oil market you know the that whole phenomena but that that could change soon as more skilled professionals consider making the move to greener or rather less expensive pastures of places like Edmonton Edmonton has generally maintained a higher inventory of homes it's a big affordability thing right and this is from CMHD's report report so market conditions are not as tight as Calgary and buyers have more choice when shopping for a home or unit to rent I think we mentioned this but uh, Wawa does some great research on it and they yeah, put, love, um, love Wawa does Cal- Calgary right now is has the the highest sales to new listing sorry hi, highest sales to new listings ratio in the country so 82%. So wow. Then if 100 homes sold last month 82 or sorry if 100 homes were listed 82 sold. So like yeah yeah it's nuts. That's and, pretty and, good. And so that's a strong strong sellers market. That whereas Toronto is at like 33%, which is a strong strong buyers market. So Calgary's still ripping right now, which scares me a little bit for yeah. them, but uh, so y'all be just be safe out there. Y'all be safe out in Calgary now. <laughs> Let's jump over to to Halifax. California? California. Love to. Fun fact, actually. If it were not for the Halifax explosion, apparently Halifax was estimated to be a, have been bigger than New York City by now. No way. Yeah, yeah. Interesting fact. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All new respect for California right there. 420,000 people is the current metro population of Halifax. That's 2023. That's a... 0.72% increase from last year in 2022. It's the largest municipality in Atlantic Canada. And as of last year, the overall kind of central metropolitan area was 480,000. So just getting to that half a million mark, the medium household income, 76,000, maximum insured mortgage, 280,000, purchase price of 295,000, and the average home price of 540,000. And that's 83% more than what the average household can afford. So yeah, Calvin Nadoro, who's the economist at CMHC for that area, states that there's a supply chain imbalance in Halifax and it is continuous, continuously pushed home prices and rents up. Uh, demand for housing in the last few years has grown due to higher than normal population growth, he says. And and we've seen this in the data, like interprovincial migration. The only other place that's seeing it, actually, I think Halifax is seeing it as a higher percentage mm. magnitude. So like Halifax or yeah, I think Halifax was like a 4% total population coming from Ontario. Wow. Whereas 
Calgary is like two percent, which is still both like both of them. That's, that's crazy growth. Mass, like, yeah. massive and this stuff. is you can see it reflected in the yeah. data. But. And I mean, Atlantic Canada, they, you know, it's 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 smaller out there, right? I mean, and yeah. but like there's still the interprovincial stuff is really messing them up. And and we just did an episode where we covered there's eleven new people for every one home in New Brunswick. I yeah. mean, obviously a different province and, and city altogether than Halifax, but like you know it's it's crazy to see the the demand out there for for stuff yeah i think it saw halifax did see the large according to the cmhc report halifax did see the largest rent growth in 2022 halifax and gatineau actually saw the, mm. saw the biggest yeah yeah do you want to maybe we'll just move on here to toronto home sweet home for for me anyways home not so sweet home sometimes yeah it's i like you just hear a lot of people talking about toronto as if it's like a, you're stuck on a hamster wheel you know that <sighs> The sad thing is, you know, Toronto really is is an amazing city. It's got so much to offer. You know, I'm not going to sit here and 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 pump its tires, but uh, you know, I do love it. But at the at the same time, sometimes it's like, get me out of here. And and the the crazy thing is, you know, I've 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 never spoken to this many people and got the same answer. How do I get out of Toronto? Where else do I move in Canada? Yeah. Uh, how can I take my job here? And and that's the thing, man. There's a lot of people that are just like stuck okay like, hey, I'm, I'm 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 working in finance or i'm working in management consulting or i'm working even in in construction or you name it anything I'm, I'm working downtown i'm making good money here i need to be in an office or i built my network or whatever whatever it is and you can't really just kind of pick up and go like like you want to right like and and people are essentially i, I don't even want to use the word stuck but like it it kind of feels like that for a lot of people and it's just, uh, I don't know, something's got to give. The um, the population in Toronto in 2023 is over 6 million, 6.3, almost 6.4 million. And that grew almost a full percent from 2022. The actual city itself, so Toronto proper, just under 3 million, making it the fourth largest metro in North America. So, I mean... We are no joke. Now, again, don't be coming at me with, you know, Toronto's the New York of Canada because go to New York and you'll realize very quickly that Toronto and New York are nothing alike. Yeah. Medium household income, 93,000. Again, one of the, I think the second highest in Canada. Maximum insured mortgage amount of 356,000. Maximum insured purchase price, 375,000. Uninsured, 356. And the average home price, one. Point one, almost 1.2 million. So you notice those numbers don't seem to add up there, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just becoming very affordable for many of its residents. The, <laughs> very affordable? Very unaffordable. There we so, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and I think you are getting to the point where a lot of people are just like feeling disenfranchised and they're like, I, I mean, New York is like that in, in such that like it is very a very transitory city. Like people people go through it, right? Yep. Or they you go, go there to build a career. Seven to 10 yeah. years, three to five years. Yeah get the New York experience. Yeah. Well, and, and like the, their cities are aggregators, right? They aggregate jobs, they aggregate people, right? You want, you know, as a young person, you want to be close to the action, but also like potential mates, right? Like your Bumble Hello, radius. Mate. Yeah. yeah. You know, One no, the, the uh, other mates, potential mates, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah Household yeah. formation. Yeah, gotcha. And yeah, I think, you know, it's like 200 and what is it? 210% more than what the regular household can afford. There was a period where it was like neck and neck with Vancouver based on, it depends on who's, whose data you're using. But if you look at like national banks, um, housing affordability monitor, I'm going to pull these up actually, because for when you start with Vancouver, because the numbers are like astounding, even yeah. after housing affordability is corrected on national banks numbers, like that. 
I think we've we've covered it before in the show we when have, it was at peak, yeah. but it was like how long does the average household need to save up? It's like decades. And I think yeah, both it's of like us oh have, yeah, it's like you'd be dead. Yeah, the, both of us have made. And like then after Instagram that, you would still need to stuff. make yeah, yeah you would like, still need to make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to afford the average house. And and you see, uh, you know, there's all these new trends: Instagram, TikTok, of people going around and you know, what do you do for a living? Yeah, or yeah. how much how much rent do you pay? Kind of thing. And and you know, and now the new one is, you know, do you do you expect to own a house in Toronto? And and you know, a lot of these are, are younger people or maybe in and around our age and, and younger, Dan, and, and the responses are just sad. It's just like, no, of course I'm never going to own a house here. How the hell would I ever afford a house here? And that's not really what you want out of your next generation that, that's coming that's coming up, that, that's going to be contributing to things like CPP and taking care of our aging population and that kind of stuff. You know, they're going to want somewhere to live at some point. Yeah, um, hit me with these affordability. It's crazy. I'm, I'm just here. looking at it because, like, I I post this chart all the time, and I I didn't realize the new one had come out. But it's it looks like affordability has reverted in a very ugly way. It looked like it was correcting, and now it's getting much worse in Vancouver, Toronto, Calgary. Actually, broke its previous peak. You can see so mm-hmm. in, in this um, housing affordability monitor. So let's just jump. Okay, so we'll say Toronto. So they use a $1.2 million price of a representative home in the metropolitan market. Household annual income needed to afford the representative home, $254,000. Okay. So that's, what is that? Two and a half times what the average is in that area. A mortgage payment as a percentage of income. Okay. So if you make the average income in Toronto, you would be paying almost 90% of your income to, to, I'm not, I'm not a personal finance expert, but I think that that would not be sustainable. So here's another slapper to the face. For a non-condo, that's the $1.2 million mark that Dan's talking about. Months of saving required for a down payment is equal, it's 311 months, equal to over 25 years, almost 26 years. That's not a big deal. You know, yeah, buy a house in 26 years. I'm sure it'll be the same price. Yeah, exactly. Prices will stay the same and uh, I'll be fine. Yeah, and then like we can move over to Vancouver as well because I think that's next on the list for us to discuss. So Vancouver is worse again. Congratulations, Vancouver. One hundred and thirty. This is this is Man. not a big deal. You'd only have to spend one hundred and thirty-three percent of your household income <laughs> on on a mortgage payment as a as a Vancouverite. Is that what they're called, Vancouverite? I don't know. Vancouver, Vancouver, and you know this is even worse here in Vancouver for that non-condo that's going to cost you almost one point seven million dollars. You are going to be saving for a ten percent down payment for. 464 months. And if you're trying to do that math in your head, don't worry, because I just pulled up my calculator. That is almost 39 years. Yeah, it's nothing. 38.67 years. No, baby. Okay, so... You start today, we can have one when we're about to die. (laughs) Okay. All good. I'm from Vancouver. Anyone that's been listening to the show for a while, you know that I love Vancouver. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. However, you'd likely want a roof over your head if you decide to move there. The metro Vancouver area has a population of 2.6 million from the 2021 census, where the city of Vancouver itself, and for anyone that's been there who lives there will know that the city itself is is quite small, the actual downtown core. um, You can literally do like the whole like, like walk around there in like in like an hour or two, like and on a bike you can do it in an hour. It's only coming in at a population of six hundred and seventy-five thousand. Medium income there, eighty-six thousand, which is 
not nearly as high to afford the average house price of over 1.2. Now that's a blend of condo and non-condo. The condos in Vancouver are, you know, around 750 to $800,000 where the non-condos are between 1.6 and 1.7. Dan, hit me with some of the depressing statistics we've got here. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that number is only 250% more than, oh. uh, than what the average household can afford. Yeah. Okay. So... Since an average home price has is over one million, you can include the uninsured, or you they included the uninsured mortgage amount in these calculations, which is one hundred ninety five percent more than what the average household. There you go, shaves off fifty five percent. Yeah, because you can't. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You have to come up with a twenty percent down payment. Yeah, which based on that would only take you what four hundred sixty (laughs) four months. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like. This is where you, you really start to see the wheels fall off on Canada's biggest cities, right? It's like, okay, like, I, I get it. Like, I get I get, I get, get Vancouver a lot more than I get Toronto. Vancouver is a beautiful city, right? But yeah. is it worth, for the average person, is it worth the premium that you have to pay? Like, even for somebody who's wealthy, right? We're talking about investment bankers and guys who, like, live in the city that, like, can't get ahead. It's like, I'm, I'm in this career so that I can get ahead. I'm working literally right? 6 a.m. to yeah. 9 p.m. and, you know, sacrificing my youth here to to literally just try to afford a one-bedroom condo. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people have just realized, especially as, like, the younger millennial generation gets into their 30s and thinking about starting families and all these things, and it's like, shit, I don't have any money to do that. Yeah. You know? And this is where I think Canada really has a big headwind ahead. And, and a lot of people say to me, like, oh, when, when are house prices going to go up again in Canada? It's like, when people can afford them. Like, that's the answer to the question. I'm sorry. And, and it's like, Bloomberg did the calculation, right? And I've said it a number of times here, but it's worth drilling home. Like, the only combination of things that, or the, there's three components to affordability. Mortgage, so your, your interest rates, your income, or your house prices. House prices would need to come down, it was like 30%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Incomes would need to go up 60%. Not going to happen. Or interest rates would need to come down 350 basis points. Also probably not going to happen. Not going to happen. So um, some combination yeah. of those three things needs to take place for affordability to get back to a point where, I think, uh, was it, I can't remember who it was. I'll pull up the source though, because I want to be able to share it uh, and give credit where it's due. But they had calculated that only 10% of Canadians can afford the average house in Canada yeah. right now, based on income. So. Yeah. That's not the makings of a housing market that's going to grow in value, you know. If if only ten percent of your co- country can buy, how? Right? Yeah, they can't, not, they can't. There's no excess demand. Like people, oh, there's more. There's more people than houses, or more pe- more people than want than houses that people want. Well, it doesn't matter if they have no money. You measure demand. You measure house prices in dollars, not, not, not people. people. Right. Yeah. Now, you may be asking, how are people still buying houses in, in some of these super expensive markets? And I think we'll do a full episode, or we'll cover this in our news episode, but Dan, you and I both made content about this. Guess what? You can buy a house, or you have a better chance of buying a house if your parents own a house in some of yeah, these markets. Yeah, we, we, we have to cover um, that whole uh, Quickly, I mean, like if, you don't, if your parents don't own a home in Canada, you have an 8.1% chance of getting into the housing market if your parents own let's say three homes, you've got almost a 30% chance. And that is going to be the major way that the next generation here gets into the housing market is through the good old bank of M&D. Yeah, mom and dad. I, mom um, and dad. Yeah. I, and, and it's funny, like I did a YouTube video on this and I, cause I, I this scares me, like the bank of mom and dad phenomena. Here's, here's why. Because if you don't have one, what, where do you go get? No, <laughs> no, no. Go? That's but that's not even it. It's like okay, so if that's what we're relying on to perpetuate the housing market, that's that's one thing. But you're like people. If you couldn't afford a house without your parents giving you money for a down payment, then you couldn't afford that house. And yeah. now all of a sudden, and that probably means you needed a co-signer. 
right? And now all of a sudden rates are rising, prices are falling. So, so can you risk is being that, realized. Can well, you afford that mortgage payment? Can you, can you afford the risk? But now you've also cross-collateralized the financial problem, right? So you've added in where you go buy a house on your own. It's like, oh, you know, you can't pay it. Maybe, maybe you bring your parents in and say, hey guys, look, I'm in a really tough position here. Can you, you help me Float me some money for the next yeah. couple months. But before, but like in the, in the position otherwise, it's like, and I've, and I've heard of these situations. This is the craziest part. And I don't know, somebody from the bank will have to verify this for me, but it's like, if you're the two, you know, you and your spouse are the two people on the house and your parents are co-signers, if the mortgage goes unpaid, right? And the parents now, aren't finding out for two months. Now everyone's months, in trouble. Yeah, it's on their credit file, yeah. right? And mom like, and dad worked, you know, their whole life to to build this. Us, I mean, these, and these aren't, and, and these aren't just cases. rich people either, right? They were not just talking no. about the top 1% kind of, these are normal they just mom and house. dads that owned a house and now have taken HELOCs out or have, have put themselves, levered themselves up to help their kids because mom and dads want to help their kids in most cases. Yeah. Or have to really. Yeah. Like that, or, or have to. Yeah. yeah. So it's an economy that just doesn't work and housing is at the core of it. Right. So, okay, Dan, let's get back on track here and we will cover more of that and, and a few other studies and some upcoming news episodes. But Dan, where is it affordable here. So all things considered, Manitoba, Manitoba, Manitoba is likely the most affordable province in Canada to live in. The Prairie province at the geographical center of the country offers big city living in Winnipeg. Big city, baby. At more affordable rates than Canada's major uh, metropolises, metropoli of Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal. The average house price in Winnipeg is $340,300 in October, 2023. So the economy in Manitoba is both stable and strong. It offers home options quieter than big city life. So you've got some great little suburbs surrounding. Provincially, the average price is the fourth lowest in Canada. And Manitoba also offers one of the cheapest places to buy a home in the country at Portage La Prairie, where the average house price hovers just above $161,000. Wild. Winnipeg population is about 841,000 people and it's been growing at about 1% year over year and it's projected to be over a million by 2030. The median household income in Winnipeg is $80,000 while the median after-tax household income it sits at 69500 per year. So pretty much in line with the rest of the country. Yeah. And when you think about that that hitting over a million, like, you know, a good comp would be an, uh, an Edmonton, right? You don't have to say, oh, Winnipeg is going to be the next Calgary or Toronto, right? Because it would probably not be the case, but you could you could comp it with a city like Edmonton and say, okay, well, what happened to Edmonton in the 10 years leading up to it breaking a million dollars, right? Yeah, million, million people, yeah. Yeah, a million people, sorry. And could you see Winnipeg go in that same direction? I mean, actually, one of the individuals in our course who's going to be an expert on the expert panel, hopefully, is really interested in the Winnipeg market and yeah, has and experience there and, and was sharing a lot of information about it in the course when we were doing market research. And I was like, we picked. And I was like, damn, like this is actually a good market, yeah. you know? And not only that, but we've at Land Bank, Dan, we've got uh, a massive project going on in in, uh, in Winnipeg as well. I think 180 townhomes yeah. being built there through yeah. MLI Select. So what's Winnipeg known for and what kind of opportunity is there? Well, Manitoba's top economic contributors are agriculture, tourism, electricity, oil, mining, and forestry. And it also has a large manufacturing sector. I think you mentioned, or on this list here, there was uh, Cargill. I was just looking it up. That's why I paused for a second there. Largest privately held company in the United States is Cargill. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And and I know a lot about Cargill because I went uh, to Guelph. So. Why, Guelph. What, is, what is Cargill? Cargill's like a big agricultural company. Okay, there you go. Company. That makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, we got the ag- do, I think agricultural they do all the program yeah. at uh, the Aggies. Yeah, and they do a lot of food for uh, McDonald's as well. I'll, I'll tell you off the record a, a funny story about, because they, they have like a bunch of... Uh, 
or off the recording, sorry, but they have they had some like factories around the university in in Guelph. And what you you know something? No, 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 none of that. But <laughs> no, it's just funny because a lot of the students like were working at those. So the companies like Richardson, Patterson Global Foods, and PNH, and similar to like economies like Saskatchewan, where you know a lot of ag, a lot of commodities. And, and, you know, you think about like the, the direction the world is going, those industries, from my perspective, are industries that are going to be necessary for Canada to diversify into. For sure. I mean, we need food. Yeah. At like the end of the day, we need food and water. And Canada's lucky enough to have a lot of both. And, and a lot of the farming is in those prairie provinces, right? Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Yeah. So, Dan, we buying places in Winnipeg or, or what? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. So anybody, I'd love to hear from some of our listeners in Winnipeg, actually. So yeah, guys, if you're from any of the places we mentioned, you want to write us an email and complain. Tell about us how wrong we were. Yeah, tell us how wrong we were. Complain about your mortgage payments or tell us what kind of great deals you're finding. We'd love to hear from you. And. I hope everyone got value out of this because we're not sitting here just trying to complain about, you know, Dan and I both, I, I live in Toronto, Dan lives just outside of the city. I, I was born and raised in Vancouver. We, we're just as as privy to the the suffering that, that, you know, people are going through in some of these major markets. But we're also looking at this data to circumvent some of that kind of stuff and, and find where affordability lies and I hope we did a half decent job of that today so go check out this report from rates.ca and uh, share this episode with a friend that lives in one of these markets thanks so much for listening the Canadian real estate investor podcast is for entertainment purposes only and it is not financial advice Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with premier mortgage center and a partner in the G&H mortgage group License number 10317, agent license M21004037. Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.